Amen. Let's uh, have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence this afternoon. Lord, we thank you uh, that we're here to worship you and here to exalt you. But more than that, we're here to learn of you and your nature and your goodness towards us. And Father, today I pray that your spirit would be present for each person, Lord, that you would uh, minister to hearts today, that people would encounter you in a life-changing, life-transforming way, that your Holy Spirit would, would bring fresh, uh, fresh revelation, would bring truth to the hearts of your people, and Lord, that we would re- receive strength for everything that we've got to do in the coming weeks and months and years. Lord, that we would live in a way which gives you much glory. We praise you and thank you in Jesus. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise just as we take our seats. Thank you so much to the team. It's been great to have you leading us in worship today. And it's great to be back ministering to you. It's probably about three months since I preached last, and I think I might be a bit rusty. And if I stumble over some words, forgive me. It's good to also uh, be getting settled back into London. It's about three months of sofa surfing and spending time in other people's houses, but finally moved into a new flat myself with Rebecca, so that's been really, really good. And uh, today in my first message of 2012, wanting to cover the topic, uh, the Father's care for you. Now, this sits in a wider series about the loving nature of our Father, and really it's about getting deeper in our understanding of the person of the Father as part of the Trinity. We know at the 2.30 and the 5 o'clock, there's two concurrent series, the person of the Father in the way that He cares for us at 2.30, and the providence of God that Bruce is going to be looking at at the 5 o'clock. And so right throughout this month, those two series will dovetail very nicely together. And really, I'm, I'm building on the message that we heard last week with Kunle, who is here to minister to us on the idea of the Father's care for all. And he was exploring the idea of common grace. Because God cares over the entirety of his creation, right from the animals, right the way through to the uh, galaxies and that exist within this universe, all the way specifically to how he deals with humanity. And common grace can simply be understood as the fact that God causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous, that bad people can prosper and are permitted to prosper because of his goodness. Now, that seems like quite a, uh, a contradiction in terms, but really in the context of their prospering, what God wants them to come to a place of understanding is, is that he cares for them, that his love is towards them, and to give them an opportunity to repent and draw near to him. There is also justice within that world. We know that, uh, as we see, for example, in Psalm 73, verse 16 through 19, that God does exact judgment on people who persist in walking contrary to his will and walking away from him. From him. But common grace contains within it the idea that bad people can be blessed. And sometimes we see the challenges of people like Job, where good people seem to be experiencing difficulty. But that all falls under this massive topic of God's grace and how it operates, and you could spend a lifetime studying that. And in that, Kunle brought a really important central message that salvation is available for everybody. God's salvation is not an elitist thing. It is for everyone who is willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and declare Him as their Lord and Savior. This is not just reserved for Jews. It's not reserved for Greeks. It's for everybody who would know the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And 
If we were to take away this common grace, this background understanding that God's grace is extended towards us, what would this earth look like? And I was trying to conceive of, of that just the other day when I was preparing, and it would very much be like the world of the Terminator. So if any of you have watched Terminator 1, 2, or 3, and all of those different films, but in those films, there is no hope. There is a world that is ruled by robots. There is people are hunted and killed. It's, it's not a safe place to be. Now, we know that that's a sci-fi movie, okay? But the values behind that, the idea of a hopelessness, the idea of a world that is ruled by others, that there's no power for human, for human beings to live life, is, is very much aligned to what this world would look like without God, except to be, of course, much, 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 much worse. Some of you have experienced a world like that, where there has been an absence of love. Maybe it was through absent or unloving fathers, maybe through mothers who are trying their best to, to make things work but didn't, didn't work out for you. Many have tried their hardest and some try to be as good as they're able to, but the quality of love and care that we're talking about pales in significance to when you compare it with the loving nature of our Father. And if we want to understand what, who the Father is, we must understand Him in the context of a loving, being a loving God. Others have experienced a world full of pain, abuse, loneliness, betrayal, despair. But I want to remind you of one of the central great truths of the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. See, the world was condemned already without the entrance of Christ. But has that entrance of Christ become a personal entrance for you? Has this become something that you have experienced with the whole of your life? Are you walking in salvation truth? Are you walking in the place where you have come to personally experience His love and care for you at the core of your being? Now, Kunle brought some good points last week, but I, I just wanted to take one of them and push it quite a lot further than perhaps he did. The Father's love for all. And in, included in the list that Kunle was giving were, were idol worshippers, other religions, people who have some form of a faith. And it's easy for us to be like, well, you know, they're still God-minded people. Maybe they're just a little bit deceived. But, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll pray for them. Maybe they'll get it one day. But God's love isn't just limited to those who are religiously minded or righteous to an extent. God's love for everybody is for everybody. And I think this is perhaps one of the things that we struggle with the most. But I believe we struggle with it the most because we struggle with the idea of how much God could actually love us. And I want to take a moment to kill any religious demons that might be here in the place this afternoon. Jesus exchanged places with a murderer. Jesus' best friends were prostitutes and tax collectors. Jesus hung out with people who completely did not deserve any grace from our perspective. But he was there sitting with them, spending time showing them just how much God loved them. And some holy people, Jesus didn't do that. You know, they made those scriptures up. You know, Jesus sat 
outside the pub or outside the, 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 the place where they were and had a separate meeting, right? So they could come and spend time with him in a holy place, but he, of course, never stepped in, into the pub, never stepped into uh, a tax collector's house. No, 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 Jesus couldn't do that. And of course, where it says alcohol and stuff, you know, they meant fruit juice. They called alcohol fruit juice back then. So there's all kinds of excuses because there's a concern. Is Jesus going to be contaminated by hanging out with unholy people? Heavens above. Uh, Jesus wouldn't hang out with any of us if that was a concern. But the reality is it's converse. Rather than him getting contaminated, he contaminated people. He contaminated them with holiness. He contaminated them with truth because he showed them the love of the Father. Think of Mary out of who was cast out seven demons. She stopped sinning. Think of Matthew. He gave up tax collecting. Think of Paul. He gave up killing Christians so that he could go and preach Christ and the power of his crucifixion. See, Father's love is for all. And I make that point because it really serves to underline just how amazing, undeserved, profound, and life-changing his love is that he could love me, who was once a murderer and an adulterer. To make the point that he could show his amazing, undeserved, profound, and life-changing love for you, who were once a murderer, and an adulterer. How dare you say that, Gabriel? You can say that about yourself, but you can't say that about me. Well, I am saying it about you today. Because if we at any point say, you know what, God, I'm really a good person. You know what, we're completely underestimating and undermining the love of God towards us. We are limiting the act of his mercy towards us. Because I don't know about you, But I still wrestle with, on a regular basis, keeping my heart free from anger. I still wrestle with, on a daily basis, keeping that covenant that I've made between God and my wife to honor her only. I have to wrestle with that daily. Do you? Because Jesus said, if you look at somebody lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you look at somebody with anger in your heart, you've looked as if you wanted to kill them. Where are you today? Are you still trying to pretend to be good? Don't ever fall into that trap because we diminish our revelation of his love. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And today, my aim, my goal is to cause you to open your eyes and your heart to receive of the Father's love and care. See, every time you diminish his love, you diminish your ability to experience it. So this afternoon, have I got your attention? I hope so. All of you seem very quiet, and sometimes this happens, but now we can start to engage, all right? With that as my introduction, let's look today at the Father's care for you. And my goal is to lead us to a place, actually, where we'll be spending time in ministry to receive his care and love towards us specifically today. And fellas, I know that I'm using this word love a lot, but keep leaning in, keep going for it, keep listening because there's a lot in here for you. If you can just get beyond the barrier of that word, I know sometimes we get a bit confused about whether we're talking about in love emotions or we're talking about the love of the Father, which is a decision process by which he draws near to us. 
So I want to begin with the idea of covenant. Covenant. Hebrews 6, verse 17 through 20. I'm going to read from New Living Translation, but I'm going to throw in a phrase from uh, New King James just to bring out the power of, of this reading. But it says here, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The verse there that I wanted to reinsert from verse 19 in the New King James is this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. When we're talking about God's love for you, we are talking about something that God considers solemnly and with great permanence. It is a covenant that he has personally entered into with you. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you decide that you want to follow him, that you believe him for forgiveness of sins, you believe him as Lord of your life, you believe him that his gift of eternal life is yours to inherit. God considers that a solemn and permanent covenant. A covenant is something unbreakable. It's something that cannot be signed up to one day and cast aside the next day. We see examples of people breaking covenants all over the world all of the time now. But God and his covenant is unbreakable and he's made that covenant with you. Now we see the details of this covenant expressed amazingly in Ephesians 1, but I've preached from that passage so many times. But I want to turn this towards you, the covenant that you've made with God. See, God knows you and he sees you. He sees you. There is no secret place to run away from God. Oh, maybe, maybe just while I'm sitting over here, God's attention is, is looking the other way. And I'll just, um, you know, I'll just pretend like I was an angel when he turns around again. Yes, Father, I've been waiting for you. I've been praying. <laughs> it's good to see you again. And he's thinking, you know, I know what you've been up to. There's nowhere that you can hide. There's nowhere that you can go. We see that so uh, amazingly put in Romans 8.35 onwards and also Psalm 139. Many of you will know those passages. But it's the experience of the invitation that I want to focus on for you today. He's calling us to flee to a place of great confidence. To flee to a place where we can anchor our souls. I don't know what you're battling with today. Maybe you might have come to church today battling with suicide, wondering, you know, is life even worth living? Do I, do I try to make it to the end of next week? Do I even try to make it to the end of today? Maybe you're wrestling with those sorts of suicide. Maybe you're asking the question, will anybody ever love me? And what is the cost of that love? What do I have to give up in order to receive that love? 
Maybe you're wrestling with issues of significance or security or self-worth, wondering you know, what your value in the world is, what your contribution's going to be, how you're going to be held and kept safe in a, in a world that is full of challenge and brokenness. Today, I want to bring us to a place, hopefully, where the light of His grace and goodness towards us shines in. And ultimately, I want to lead us to a place where we step into His presence. Step into His presence. Because I can preach my heart out. I can try and make you laugh. I probably won't do it that many times. I can preach for everything I've got. But if you don't step into the presence of God, if you don't encounter God, then it's not really worth very much. So that's my goal for us to get there today. God's love, God's grace, it begins with Him and is reciprocated by us. We all know that great command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we sit there and think, demanding God. How am I going to love God? I can barely love my wife or my husband or my kids or my friends or my work colleagues who I can see. How am I going to get along with loving God who I can't see? And we think, you know, let me just figure out how am I going to bring some extra emotional energy to this? We got it the wrong way around. The Father first loved us. It says in Romans 5, for when we were still without strength, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet maybe for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, 13, Jesus himself says, Greater love has no one than this, than that he lays down his life. For his friends. And 1 John 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. God's, the Father's care and love towards you began with him. His grace was there before you even conceived the idea of sin in your mind. Before you were actually even conceived in your mother's womb, His grace was there extended towards you. And the profound nature of His love is revealed because He will reach beyond your furthest string and your furthest running. You could decide, I am going to run all the way to hell and spend my time there. And you would get there and you'd find that God was waiting there for you. God is not a demanding, selfish God that we grumble about. He is rather a loving, caring Father who calls for your personal response to Him. I was, uh, as you know, I was off in New Zealand with uh, Rebecca. And while I was there, I was thinking of you guys. You know, you'd probably be wondering, why would I do that? You're on holiday and all of this kind of stuff. But I was thinking about you, and, and I, want, I wanted to share a message with you. So I actually, I don't know how this worked out. I was laughing with Rebecca about it. I, sh- I recorded a short film that I want to show you, but it dovetails so perfectly with what I want to say today. Because that point I've just made, God will find you wherever you go. It was just brought home so perfectly to me, the magnitude of his love 
during this short uh, visit to Mount Cook National Park. So hopefully the guys are ready and just turn your attention for a second. How you doing? So, me, Gabriel, over in New Zealand, because up there on the hill, we are climbing to the Mueller Hut, and we are in the Mount Cook National Park, and just over there is the Mount Cook itself. Just to his left is Mount Tasman. Abel Tasman was the first guy to see New Zealand in 1600s, but Captain Cook first guy to step foot ashore, and he is the first one to bring the wave of Europeans, so he's kind of the most famous guy around. And uh, just wanted to stop and share a few things that have been striking me on my trip. It's been great to get away with Rebecca and spend time and, and uh, really work on our marriage and make sure we've got a strong foundation in this first year. But as we've been up here, we've got a lot of space to think about and talk to God, talk to Him about what's going on and how things are mapping out for our future and all of those kind of things. And just one thing that hit me while I was in this great vast expanse is that verse in Romans 8 where it speaks about how high, how wide, how deep is the love of God for us. Look at that mountain, 3,800 meters. The one we're going to climb is only 1,800, less than half of that peak over there. Now over here, so you have the Tasman Valley. Now that's a wide valley. That'll take you about three days, two, uh, three, four hours to cross over. And his love for us is much bigger than that. Whatever's going on with you, take a moment and think about that verse. And if you need to get outside, get and have a look at some of the great creation that God has made all around us, to put things in perspective. It's very easy when you're stuck at home, stuck in your room on your own, to start to feel the cloud of depression or heaviness or weight upon you. But when you get out here, to contemplate the love of God. Contemplate that His love for us is far in excess of all that we can see around us. And that begin to impact and touch your life. You would have a deepening experience of His love, His grace, and His goodness towards you so that you would walk free as a son or daughter of God. God bless you. We're having a great time. We'll see you. Hey. It's, sorry about the sound, sound there, but you kind of got the, the point that I was driving at. Just in the middle of a great and awesome creation, the, the tallest mountain in New Zealand, just thinking about the love of God and how much bigger than the great expanse of land I was in, His love is for us. His love is without limit. It is without boundary towards you. But at the same time, it is specific and personal for you. Psalm 139 verse 13, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, whom as, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts towards me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. 
He personally, you like that verse? <laughs> Good stuff. He personally knit you together. Every one of you. Even if you were born from a one night stand or an affair or a rape or an unwanted adopted child, God knit you together. He knows you. He knows the path that He's prepared for you and the days that He has anointed for you. He knows what He's calling you to do and the impact that He's calling your life to have, not just on people immediately around you right now, but every person that you're going to come in touch with right throughout the whole of your life. He has a plan for you. His love for you is specific and it's personal. But then we might ask the question, yeah, yeah, but why does He always want to change me? Why is he always telling me to be righteous, be holy? Why is he trying to fix me? You know, one of the things that amazes me is God's commitment to the dream that he has for you. Even if we seek to mess our lives up big time, proper, we just go and do stupid stuff and try and explode our lives ourselves. He's there. But his presence is not just a passive observatory, let's just see how this goes, kind of a love. He knows what you were created for. He knows the days that he's appointed for you. He knows what you made whole would accomplish, whether parts of you have been broken through your decisions of sin or the parts of you that have been broken through the attacks of life. He knows what you can be whole before God. And that's why there is in His love and His care for us this constant call to truth and righteousness. See, He loves us in spite of our sin because of His delight for us, but He doesn't want us to stay in that place of sin. The call to holiness is a call to begin to demonstrate and walk out who He has called you to be. It is a challenge for you to step up higher. And held within that is the need for him to be greatly patient, but then also to seek to redeem us. We see in, uh, in the book of Hosea a story of a, a prophet who was challenged to be a living representation of the people of Israel's walk with God. And the way that he was to do this was to marry a prostitute, to demonstrate the love of the Father, God who loves Israel, yet Israel is away prostituting herself. And so he marries this prostitute, and things go well for a while, and they have kids. And then she goes back to the lifestyle, and he goes back to find her, and to buy her back, to redeem her, to take her out of a place potentially where she was being pimped out, to bring her back home. See, God's love is incredibly patient, and it is profoundly redemptive. It's his joy to run after us, but it is also incredibly heart-rending for him. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Father cares for us so much that He will run the distance 
to find us, but it costs him. It costs him. It's his joy to find you on the other side, but it costs him the grieving of you being away from him. It costs him the heartbreak of you continuing to break your life and break your heart over people and things that don't matter. See, his amazing grace is so profound that as far as we run, he will restore us. But he never takes away the memory of the things that we've done. He never just wipes out the knowledge of sin that we've walked in, the knowledge of heartbreak that we've been to. He might heal it, but it's his grace to cause us to remember it, to remember the negative impact of our sin on our lives. And my deep urgency to today is, please, if you're walking in willful, deliberate sin, please don't, because it's contrary to the love of God for you. Not because of rules and regulations and you shall not and you shouldn't, but please, for his heart towards you and the covenant he's made with you and your commitment to yourself to be who he's given for you to be. His love is patient and redemptive. His love is also tender and restorative. I've just spoken specifically about an area of life where we choose to sin and exhorted you, please don't, because of his love for you. But then there are also realities where other people have sinned against us. Where other people have done things to us which have been so horrific that they have brought brokenness. Perhaps you've never even been able to talk about it. Perhaps you've never been bold enough to confront it and to work through it. You might be here today thinking that God abandoned you in a difficult situation. But I want to remind you that God never left you, ever. Even if you found yourself in the pit of hell, he never, ever left you. But the question is, will you receive his love in order to be restored? 1 John four eighteen: there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The answer is not to try to be harder, to try to work harder, try to be better, try to strive to, to be the best person that we can be, to get free from fear, to get free from the, a fear of abandonment, a fear of death, a fear of abuse. The answer is not to try harder. The answer is to allow him to love us. He's simply pointing out a truth. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. We might have a temporary compromise where somebody nice comes along and says, I love you, I love you, what do you need? What do you want? I'll get it for you. I'll serve you. I'll do as long as you serve back, you know what I'm saying? That's not perfect love. That's abusive love. But the perfect love of the Father, which is for us, towards us, loves us for who we are, for who He's created us to be, without call for cost, His perfect love 
can cast out fear. His love that is patient and redemptive, tender and restorative, that finds itself specifically orientated towards you, while centered also on truth and righteousness, has a plan for you now and a purpose for you to live towards. Jeremiah 33, we know that verse so very well. I know the plans and the thoughts I have towards you, plans for a future and a hope. And the ultimate expression of the receipt of God's love today, the ultimate expression of that is to be so full of his love and care, to be so aligned to the knowledge of truth as revealed through Scripture and the experience of his love as well, that we know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That that revelation of adoption would enter our hearts. That we're no longer the orphan on the outside, but we have been welcomed into the family of the Father because of his grace towards us. And he is calling us to walk with him to walk in the plan and purpose that he has for our lives. Now, have you ever thought what's available as part of this covenant that he's making? What's available for you? Something that speaks to me so personally is the absence of striving, or to say it another way, the entering into his rest. Things that I struggle with personally is to remember the the love of the Father for me, when I've forgotten, when I as a son forget that I'm a son and strive and work my hardest to be accepted. And God, you know, I've missed my prayer time today. You must hate me. And I forget that he loves me so much. And when I'm like doing my best to get something done and try to do it to the best of my ability and it doesn't work out and I think, God, I must suck. I'm trying to do this for you. And every time he keeps bringing me back to that place of, if you did nothing, I would still love you. It doesn't mean that we don't do nothing, right? But if you did nothing, I would love you. Now be at peace and step from there. Walk out of the place of rest. Walk out of the place of assurance. Because for me, at some deep level, I'm still striving for God to like me. I don't know what's going on with you. But all of us are struggling with something. An absence of striving. A place of rest. A place of blessing. So many people trying so hard to get to the top and be blessed through our own effort. Yet the blessing of God makes one rich and he never adds sorrow with it. And it's a place of justification. A place where the devil can come and he can rail on you and you did this and you thought that and you said that. You know, I hate the way the devil does this. Probably... Probably it only happens to me, but maybe some of you it happens to, where he comes and chucks a thought in this side and runs around the back and has a little go in this way. Oh, look, there's, there's 20 pounds on the floor. Take it. How dare you, you dirty Christian. You saw that 20 pounds fall out of that man's pocket. Why don't you just go give it to him? And you're like, well, I was just walking along, enjoying my day, and you're telling me about 20 pounds and then accusing me about 20 pounds. I don't know if that happens to you. Maybe it happens in other areas where the accusation of the enemy comes. You see, the place of justification is a place where God says, not guilty. I want to read this verse to you and then I want to pray for us today. And I believe that everything that I've said, that there's some things that have connected with you personally. And I want to lead us to a time of ministry. There's a few aspects that I want to deal with. Some of us need to repent today. 
you just got struck by the thought that, you know what, God sees and God knows. And it's not that God is there trying to bring the law and the smackdown. He is there loving, gracious, calling you higher. Some of us need to repent. Some of us might need salvation today. Some of us might never have come to that place of saying, you know what, Jesus, I need to know you as my Lord and Savior. Some of you might need healing. Some of you might have been at that place where you've held away from God. God couldn't possibly love me. The way that other people have treated me, God could not possibly love me. Where was my father? Where was he? Some of us need healing. Some of us need to step into that knowledge of the Father, that we're sons and daughters. Let me read this passage for you, and then we're going to step into that time of ministry. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who has justified. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, Shall be, separate, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Today, I'm hoping that you're going to want to respond to something, to draw near to the Father, to receive of His care for you. And I want to begin by offering to you an opportunity to say, you know what, I need to decide I've heard enough about Jesus. I've heard around about Jesus, but I need to decide that I'm going to follow him. I'm going to give up my empire building. I'm going to give up my dominion, my control over life, which is not going very well anyway, and follow Jesus. And if you want this, I want to ask you at the end of this short prayer that we're all going to pray together to raise your hand in the air and say, you know what? I want to know Jesus, and I want to know the love of the Father, okay? So church, will we pray together? Is that okay? And then after that, I want to step into a time of ministry. Let's pray. Father, I come to you today. Let's speak out loud. Copy, uh, go with me. Repeat what I'm saying. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your love and your care that is revealed in Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts to cleanse us of sin and to bring us into a knowledge of your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to simply raise your hand in the air. Everyone's focusing on themselves right now, so just raise your hand and say, you know what, I need Jesus. I want to make a decision to follow Christ. Thank you very much, sir. Is there anyone else? 
Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to follow Jesus today and receive the love of the Father? Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for these wonderful people who've raised their hands. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would right now give them assurance and certain knowledge of your forgiveness and your grace. That you cleanse their hearts of all sin and unrighteousness and you bring them into a knowledge of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. For the two of you, someone's gonna have a chat with you afterwards, if that's okay. Just give you a Bible and help you with the next steps. For everyone else, three things. First one, maybe you know that there is an area where you need to repent. You've got yourself into a situation and there's a lot of reasons why you don't wanna leave that situation, but you know that it's not in in line with the will of the Father for you. And you need to repent. I wanna invite you to participate. If there's those of you who just say, you know what, I've never been able to receive the love of God. I just don't even know what you're talking about. Life is tough and I'm just having to look after myself. Today, I wanna invite you in a safe environment to spend some few moments with the Lord. And if you know here today that you just not got that certainty, I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God. I want you to respond as well. So what we're gonna do is if you do wanna respond to any one of those three, stand to your feet. We're going to get led in a short chorus by the team, and then we're going to pray for you, okay? But what I want you to be thinking about is this is your time with God. The song is because we just want to minister to the Father, but this is your time with the Holy Spirit to minister to you, okay? So if any of those is relevant to you, please stand to your feet right now, and we're just going to have a short chorus with the team. lives forever He reigns in power and love Let earth bow down before Him For He is exalted We learn to
today, Lord, for your people, Lord. Still not too late to stand up if you, do, if you want to. Lord, I lift up every person here, Lord, that is standing in your presence. But Father, I pray for them, Lord. You know their circumstance and their heart. And if you're needing to repent before the Lord right now, I, I want to ask you to start to just go with Him and pray and say, God, you know what? I need your help. I need your grace. I need to know how to break this situation off. I need to know how to move forward because I want to follow you. Start to repent. But if you're needing healing, just start to say, God, Father, this area, I need you to speak to me. This area, I need you to speak to me. If you want a fresh touch of the Father's love, you need to experience the Father's love. Why don't you stand up as well? Unless you're all so full of the Father's love that you don't need that. But I'll leave that with you. But right where you are, just start to pray. Just start to pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is here moving, Lord, today. We thank you, Father, for your grace that is over us, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you're ministering to, to hearts, people who need to repent, people who need to turn from sin, who need to turn from a way that is contrary. And they know it in their hearts. They know that their, their heart has gone astray. But Father, I pray. Lord, that even now as they repent before you, that they would have an encounter with your spirit, an encounter which leaves them feeling cleansed from the inside, that leaves them feeling renewed on the inside, that leaves them with hope, that leaves them with faith, Lord God. Lord Jesus, as they draw near to you and take hold of your forgiveness through the blood of Christ, Lord, that they would receive an experience of the cleansing, receive an experience of the renewal that is available via the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray, I pray for everyone here that's struggling, Father. They have not known how to receive your love because of abuse, because of brokenness. And Father, I pray, Lord, that even now, that through your tender mercies, your tender Holy Spirit, that you would reveal and release wholeness in hearts, healing in hearts. Lord, that they would be able to forgive and to let go and to know your tender love towards them. And even, Father, where they have held you accountable where they've said where were you father lord that they would be able to release that and in exchange receive your love and your grace <coughs> do what only your holy spirit can do and finally lord i pray for every person here lord every person whether they are near or far off lord that they would have an encounter with you which so transforms them from the inside out that they think differently. They think like sons and daughters of God. They know that they are in a different place with you. They know that they have received your mercy and your goodness towards them. And Father, you would raise them up. You would raise them up, Father, in their knowledge and revelation of you. And that they would be able to show others what it is to walk as a son, to walk as a daughter in a way which honors you. Father, we pray that you'd move by your Holy Spirit tonight. You move by your spirit today. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a massive praise offering.